Get ready to start your new morning ritual with our new sponsor, Mudwater. Coffee is one of America's favorite beverages, with more and more people starting their coffee habits every day with a cup of that flavorful anxiety juice. But let's be real. Have you ever heard anyone say, I'm working on getting more coffee into my life? Millions of people complain about the jitters that come from coffee consumption. Our morning coffee rituals can be habit-forming and, for some people, can make getting a good night's sleep almost impossible. And while nearly all of us like the smell, taste, and ritual of our morning coffee, why not explore eliminating the negative aspects of our morning brew? Well, what if your coffee replacement helped induce alertness, not dependency, improve mental capacity and function, improve physical stamina and performance, improve immunity and overall health. Oh, and by the way, it tastes good enough to drink every single day. Meet Mudwater. Mudwater is your fastest growing coffee alternative in the market, consisting of organic ingredients lauded by cultures both old and young for their health and performance benefits. With one-seventh the caffeine of coffee, Mud gives you the natural energy and focus you expect from coffee, but without the jitters and crash. With an organic blend of mushrooms and ingredients like cacao, marsala chai, turmeric, lion's mane, and more, Mud Water offers a beverage like no other. Whether you want to enjoy it hot, cold, as a latte, or however you take your coffee in the morning, Mud Water is zero sugar, zero crash, zero jitter alternative, sure to leave you feeling recharged and refocused. Listen, I'm really excited to have Mud Water as a sponsor here on The Brian Nichols Show because I've been able to see the Mud Water difference for myself, and you can too, so click the link in the show notes to get some mud, support the show, and get your new morning ritual started right with Mud Water. And now, onto the show. Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Why, good morning and happy Monday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Welcome and Yes, welcome back to our returning guest, a phenomenal guest, and he is one of the best, the best pro-liberty legislators in the country, I dare say, Assemblyman Mark Walzik from Northern New York State, the River District, and he is fighting the good fight up in New York, fighting for liberty, and today he has joined the Brian Nichols Show to discuss this crazy bill in New York State that would give uh, the governor the power to put people into camps if they were deemed a public health risk. What? I know, isn't it that insane? So uh, we discuss that and more, of course, on another fun-filled episode of The Brian Nichols Show. So without further ado, on to the show, Mark Walzik returning to The Brian Nichols Show. Wonderful to be here. No longer a freshman, actually. Yeah, happy to start my second term and happy new year to you. Happy New Year to you as well, my friend. You've been so busy up in northern New York and my goodness, they're keeping you busy because... Man, this COVID-19 lockdown situation we have going across the United States, across the world, let's be real, right? It We're seeing a lot of these, these uh, government officials kind of digging their heels in, and I saw this bill pop up, and I was like, okay, I have to have Mark on the show to talk about this bill that was proposed. But before we get there, how about this? I know when we sure. last spoke, you, uh, and you just you, you hinted to it, obviously, no longer a freshman, you got reelected. So talk to us. What was the uh, the voter turnout? What were voters most concerned about? Uh, you know, as they went to the ballot box back there in uh, November. 
We had a high turnout. And if you've, if you've been around campaigns for a little while, you know, every single time we, we have an election night, they talk about record turnout. And, but this year really was in my assembly district, people really came, came out to vote. A um, lot of absentee ballots came in. Uh, this was also the the largest uh, margin of victory in this assembly district has ever seen. It's a, it's a pretty purple district. Um, I won handily. Um, with 63% of the vote. So we're, uh, we're feeling really good about that. You know, I think the the nonpartisan message that really focuses on principles and working hard for the people that I represent has really resonated. And uh, the proof has also been in the pudding. I worked my tail off in the first term. And, uh, you know, that's not just to get the job again. I love this job. Um, so I'm just going to keep working hard. Dude, it's so obvious. And like, let's be real. I mean, we discussed this last time. You and I, we go way back. And, and to see you know, you've been doing this for well over a decade and you have not lost any ounce of enthusiasm that you had day one when you were on Patty Ritchie's campaigns and staff to, to where you are now, you know, and I would say, you know, you have a, a very bright future ahead of you. I would say even maybe in a Senate seat one day. I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there, Mark, but you are not here to talk about your future political endeavors right now. We're here to talk about, my goodness, uh, Andrew Cuomo and uh, what's been going on in New York and this bill that I saw, per, uh, actually it was Cliff Maloney from Young Americans for Liberty uh, raised up, Assembly Bill okay. a four. One six. It relates to the removal of cases, contacts, and carriers of communicable diseases who are potentially dangerous to public health. Now, at the onset, you just read that and you're like, hmm, that doesn't sound too kosher. Uh, and then when you go into the bill, uh, it, it reads in detail, it's section uh, 2120 uh, part A, removal and detention of cases, contacts, and carriers who are or may be a danger to public health, other orders, one, the provisions of this Section shall be utilized in the event that the governor declares a state of health emergency due to an epidemic of any communicable disease. And it goes to say they can actually remove people or persons uh, based on the government deciding that, Mark, they're a danger to their fellow mankind, neighbors, citizens. What say you of this this new bill proposed here for uh, for the assembly to be uh, bring into committee? So it's, um, I mean, first off, I'm, I'm opposed. Um, I, I think it's offensive and counterproductive on a, on a number of different levels, and we can get into that. I want to hit the history on this thing. But I also, uh, this might get a little bit boring for listeners. I don't know. Um, I immediately go to the sponsor's memo when I, you know, a bill like this pops up on the radar. And it's, it's wild. In the New York State Legislature, we're not considered a full-time legislature, but we basically are. We usually convene somewhere between 60 and 90 days a year. Uh, the session is six months long. There are some states that have limited legislatures. It's nice, but the just the state assembly, for example, introduced 11,000 bills in the last legislative session over the period of two years, right? Wow. It's a lot. And uh, also a lot of really bad ideas. Um, some of them went somewhere and we read headlines about them. Uh, some of them went nowhere. This was one of those bills that uh, this has been around since 2015 and, and uh, hasn't left the health committee, which is um, good news, right? It doesn't even have a Senate sponsor, which is more good news. Um, but I, I jumped in and as soon as people started texting and emailing and sending me Facebook messages about this bill, I'm like, all right, well, let me, let me do some research. And I did that. I said, all right, well, it's been around a little while, hasn't gone anywhere. And I looked at the justification and this is, this is the part that's really interesting. Um, because the 
attorneys, the lawyers at the Legislative Bill Drafting Commission really work on the language to get you, uh, you know, to dot the I's and cross the T's when you're a legislator and they they help you get the language right um, and you determine the intent as a legislator. Um, but there's actual drafters that help you through that process. However, the sponsor's memo for each piece of legislation uh, it's a memo that gets produced in your office, usually by the legislator or their legislative director. And uh, this is your piece. Nobody reviews it. It is the the piece and it sticks with that piece of legislation. Sometimes the courts will look back at it for intent. And there's when I read <laughs> when I read this sponsor's memo, there's a section for justification. And I just want to read this line. It is important for both persons suspected of being afflicted with a communicable disease as well as those around them, to be properly protected. Currently, the Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services has statutory responsibility for preventing the introduction, transmission, and spread of communicable diseases in the United States. Under its delegated authority, the division of, and it goes on. But I mean, here's one of those philosophical um, disagreements that we're going to have, right? And it's the uh, how involved the government needs to be in your in your safety and what gets given up uh, for your absolute security. And I think that's one of those principles that you really have to break it down to. Now there is um, there is some context to this. Uh, so, like I said, this was introduced in 2015. Right now, we look at everything in the lens of the coronavirus. In October 2014, you re- might remember this was an issue right before the election. Um, there was a, an Ebola outbreak and the worst one that we've seen in modern days in Western Africa. Um, and it was it was a scary thing. Right. So we had a, an overzealous legislator in New York state in the context of a Chris Christie quarantine and uh, Maine and, um, you know, Maine having weird regulations uh, Connecticut at the time quarantined a student for three day, for three weeks, wouldn't let the student come to school because she had visited Nigeria, which hadn't had an outbreak in months and went to a part where there wasn't even an outbreak. But it, it, this is one of those things like fear was gripping, right? And we saw that at the beginning of this crisis, what it looked like. Um, what is unfortunate, I think, is when you see executives leverage fear uh, for policy that can't be undone, or when you see legislators uh, leverage fear to get a headline. And I think probably Mr. Perry, and I saw he put a statement out on Facebook recently, he's the sponsor of this bill. He probably regrets during this pandemic reintroducing this piece of legislation because of all the great libertarians out of there that have given him a piece of their mind uh, lately and, you know, conservatives and Republicans as well. And I mean, my my phone lines have been blowing up on this bill. Um, It's one of those things. It hasn't left the health committee. Hopefully it never goes anywhere. Um, I I think the governor even had to respond. Um, The good, like the silver lining here is that I love when people step up and there's that accountability. Um, A lot of times the stupidest ideas that happen in Albany, our capital in New York state are ideas like this one that the legislature doesn't air out. 
they jam them into like a, a big omnibus bill or they jam them into the budget in the last minute. Sometimes it's existing pieces of legislation that have never left committee like this one. And they just jam them in last minute. It's part of the horse trading negotiations. And then everybody says, how the heck did this even become law? Right. And I think it's nice. I mean, this is a perfect example of how when legislation is proposed and it gets the light of day and it gets the attention of the public, then everybody sees how how stupid this idea is. So um, thank goodness my assessment right now is that it goes nowhere, but uh, you can rest assured that there will be me and many others fighting tooth and nail if it's even brought forward. Thank God, because it, you started to discuss this back when it was first proposed, right? In the guise of... <gasps> A crisis, a government coming in to save us from a crisis. And you see too often, yes, this immediate kind of appeal to, well, the government's got to do something, right? And what people don't realize is that more often than not, when the government is, in fact, doing something in the name of just doing something, they end up actually doing something in a negative sense, especially down the road, setting up precedents for a lot of very not so good things. So, Mark, I guess, you know, when you're looking at someone like an Andrew Cuomo, and, and Governor Cuomo has easily been probably one of the more notable figures in this entire COVID pandemic, uh, mostly because he's been on TV nonstop talking about how great he is. And I would say yeah. you look at New York and New York has approached the COVID-19 pandemic with a much more, um, I'd say, much more zealous approach to lockdowns, uh, much more uh, open to restricting people's personal liberties. So kind of what's been keeping Andrew Cuomo in power, really, this long to, and I see people still defending him to this day, despite now going on almost a year of people being essentially in indefinite house arrest. Oh my gosh. Well, great, great question. I mean, it probably... It probably goes back to our founding, honestly. I think, I mean, I'm re-watching the show Turn. You ever see that? It's on AMC. It's pretty good. It's about like Washington spies, spy network, like in New York City and Long Island during the Revolutionary War. Um, here's something that's really interesting to reflect on. New York City was pretty loyal to the crown throughout the Revolutionary War. They stayed loyal to the king, to the monarch, to to the one person who would decide, you know, how they should live their lives. I think there's still Tories in New York today. I think there's people that like that style of government that like the, Hey, look, I just need somebody to tell me what to do. I think it's incredibly un-American. Um, but I think in New York, there's enough millions of those people, uh, that exist and are that comfortable with that much. Um, and I mean, it's indicative of cities too, right? So we have New York City. It's a it's a giant chunk of our population. You're talking to 8 million, at least by last count. I mean, it's dropping every day because people are voting with their feet. Um, but a lot of people that live very close together and require more government intervention in their lives. And because of that, they get more and more comfortable with government intervening in all kinds of weird and interesting ways. Um, and then they even start to beg for government to get in fault. And then they send legislators to Albany and they send a governor to Albany that says, well, we're here and we're going to tell all New Yorkers how to do their business. And then you have guys like me that come from a rural area that say, actually, we do fine without a lot of government in our lives whatsoever. Um, So just let us do our thing. Uh, And that's the, I mean, that's the conflict. 
that's the conflict that we're in. And I think that's why I, I get out of bed all pumped up every day. Mark, I know last time you're on the show, um, you and Senator Griffo, you were proposing this, um, you know, this proposal to give every single county a state senator. How is that moving anywhere in the uh, in the Senate? No, no. Funny, <laughs> funny how that happens, huh? I wish. I mean, here's the here's the thing. It would re- like, uh, and I might have mentioned this last time. It would require leaders to pr- essentially want to give up power, and I'm. Look, we're not thinking multi-generationally here. We're not thinking about what's uh, what's going to be best for, you know, we can't look six months ahead as a legislature. And I think that's what's really also disappointing in this. And when you're talking about executives leveraging fear for more power and more authority, it's almost predictable, right? And that's why our founding fathers had checks and balances and built the republic the way that they did. Um, what really stinks is that when you have legislators, um, you know, who their job is really to me be the more deliberate body uh, to think more long-term who should do this job as an honor, not to get reelected, not for the next, you're not, you're not doing this for the next headline or the next election cycle or what it's going to look like in your campaign finance account. Um, You're doing this for New York in the long term um, and for your district and for all New Yorkers. And, I, I think the, the number of legislators that have uh, have lost sight of that is sad. Yeah, for sure. And, and you see it across not just in New York, but I would say across the country. And the, the, the legislatures uh, that are out there, the uh, legislators, that is, um, who are out there who are fighting the good fight. I mean, I had a representative from uh, from Tennessee, uh, Jeremy Faison. He's the uh, head of the Republican chairman. Uh, he's the chairman of the Republican caucus in, in Tennessee talking about the wins that they're having out there. And it's because... We're having a liberty movement in right now the second uh, one of the two leading political parties. That's entirely why we're even having a voice right now. And right now, actually, you just got appointed to um, the, the, the what's the official title for the committee for higher ed? Is that correct? Uh, the higher education committee. Yeah, I got uh, appointed as ranking Republican member on the on the higher ed committee, which I'm I'm really excited about. Uh, I represent so, four colleges in my assembly district. And, I was going to say, yeah, so we yeah. obviously have so it's Clarkson, St. Lawrence University and then two SUNY yeah. schools, uh, SUNY Posse and SUNY Canton. And in that area, I would say right now, that's one of the main things that's keeping people (laughs) in the North Country, which is is sad, I would say. But to to that point, we're seeing a constant increase in the cost of uh, tuition. And and sadly, the, the folks that would traditionally be going to these types of colleges in our, you know, our local areas, candidly, they're not in the, the the demographics of people that would traditionally be going to these these in the price tags Ivy League schools. I mean, in some cases, charging upwards of fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year for tuition. So, you yeah. know, Mark, one of the biggest issues that's been out there across the board has been college tuition. It, it's it's going through the roof, and this this increasing. Uh, student debt bubble. Uh, what yep. can we do? And I had a, an economist, Brad Palumbo, on the show from Fee, and uh, Brad he actually was digging into how you know when you look at a lot of the proposals, like canceling student debt, for example. Not only is that a, a very silly approach to trying to deal with this, but it actually ends up harming the people that they think they're trying to help, and that is the the, the lowest income among us, and the people who are actually the most disenfranchised among us. So I would ask you, right? You're you're now one of the the leading Republicans on the higher ed committee. So what's kind of your approach? trying to help make education more affordable specifically i guess when we're looking at you know communities like northern new york who you know candidly they kind of rely on these schools to keep them afloat 
Well, I think as a, as a policymaker on the, on the committee, we're going to have some impact because we certainly do on the, especially on the state schools side of things, right? Um, affordability period is, is going to be the solution here. It's not, you know, canceling student debt. It's not making it easier for students to take out larger loans over longer periods of time and just straddling them with that debt. Um, you, you look at how much the cost has just continued to increase uh, the infrastructure that's been spent in the past. Probably, I mean, look, and I might, I might get in trouble for this. I mean, I need to, I need to educate myself, right? So this is a, this is a new role as, as ranker. But um, when you look at how much we've spent on infrastructure that's not related to, directly related to higher education, it doesn't make sense on its face to me. Um, if it doesn't increase your education or the value of your degree, it really doesn't make ins- make sense to invest there. Uh, and I think I think there's going to be a lot of changes in higher ed, um, you know, outside of any strong opinions that I have, just because of this crisis. Uh, if you have figured out, and universities have across the board, how to do more online classes, how to educate students and get that value of a degree without all of that infrastructure need then you know that the pendulum is going to swing back. And I think we have a great tradition and I took advantage of it, uh, of, you know, a four-year degree and a college experience, which is what we sell high schoolers so hard is that like cultural college experience. And when you do a tour, you know, what the football field is made out of and what the dorm rooms are like and what the chow hall, you know, or, you know, multiple fast food restaurants available look like at your institution makes it rate higher. And I can't even, when I did college tours, I can't even remember the, like I wasn't even interested in. And I think it's the culture that we live in, you know, Hey, who are the smartest professors here? What are their publishings? And, you know, who are the best teachers here? You know, what am I going to walk away with at the end of four years? Because, I mean, when frankly, most 17 and 18 year olds don't know. Um, so I think I think these are great conversations. We've we've made a lot of roads. And actually, my my neighbor, um, Ken Blankenbush in the assembly uh, right next door, who who shares St. Lawrence County and, and Jefferson County with me. Great guy has done a lot of work about that, about, um, you know, working with BOCES and, and more labor trades stuff and looking more, hey, how are we, how are we comprehensively educating our youth uh, for the jobs and the vocations that we need? Obviously, you want students to have every availability, um, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a, you know, here's the square peg and here's the pipeline and this is what everybody should do. So, um, I, I think we're making progress. I also think, uh, honestly, this is one of those things that the pandemic has probably helped accelerate a little bit because I think we're going to see some changes automatically. Oh, for sure. Corey DeAngelis from the Reason Foundation, um, he's been doing a lot of work on school choice. That's been one of his main focuses. And, you know, we're seeing, I think right now, <laughs> this entire school choice uh, movement gain more traction, again, to your point, not just entirely out of necessity because of COVID-19. And it really, it did kind of force a lot of industries to kind of have to rip the band-aid off in a lot of cases. I mean, right now, my industry that I'm in, you know, the greater telecommunications, cybersecurity, business continuity world, um, we're seeing, you know, organizations long term. They're they're like, listen, I know we turned up these these uh, you know teams licenses for 60, 90, 120 days. 
two years, three years, like we're probably going to have people working from home indefinitely because they're starting to realize that not only can we kind of keep things moving along, but in many cases they can actually cut costs because no longer are you having to to foot the bill for all these you know ex- extensive uh, fixed costs. And let's be real, you know, you go to a, a massive um, you know. Uh, complex to go and have you know your employees work in a building and all your your costs you have to pay for utilities and and taxes i mean my goodness property taxes through the roof especially in, in states like new york and and i can't blame organizations to be like nah let's let's send people home and i think we're going to see because of that right you have more of a push for people wanting alternatives like school choice um you know looking for alternatives in education, more competition. So Mark, I guess, you know, as we wrap up here, what would you say to some of the, the folks in New York? Like what were what some pathways they have to look forward to, or maybe some proposals that you're working on behind the scenes to help bring some school choice options to uh, not just the North country, but to greater New York state in general? Well, my friend, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just getting started on this higher ed journey. And uh, I, I think that's, that's another thing that makes me so excited about this job is this is a, this is a policy area that I'm really excited to learn more on. Um, I did sit on the committee before, but as a, as a member, now I'm thrust into a leadership role where it's like, all right, now I got to really dig deep into every policy and I'm going to be lead debate for my conference on anything that has to do with higher education. So I'm really excited to learn more. I don't have all the answers yet. And I think, especially in New York in a, in a state where we have so much government, uh, that's why you, you get a new policy responsibility and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So how can, I okay, guess, really, I was, it really stay quick? tuned. I said, how awesome in you saying, I don't know, because that was one thing. And, and candidly, this drove me nuts when the pandemic started was you had these governors like Cuomo come out on stage and they would be so definitive. Like, well, this is the science. Trust us. It's like, dude, we're, we are all literally learning on the fly right here. And yeah. for you to actually say, like, listen, I don't know. And I got to learn. That's what I think. Candidly, a lot of folks are they're so hungry for in politics. They're looking for genuine people who are like, listen, I was just two years ago not in elected office just because now I have a, you know a letter next to my name because I have been elected doesn't make me some royalty like I'm still the average person because you know fast forward two years you could be exactly in the uh, where you were to start with right so I think yeah. we need to get back to this mindset of encouraging your average person to get involved with politics but when they do get involved with politics to encourage them to continue to be average people and I think that requires us scaling bad government, trying to get less and less, you know, and candidly, like we can go down that the rabbit hole of, well, you know, as you have more and more government, it just incentivizes more and more. And goodness, Sheldon Silver is an example there, more and more corruption in, in politics. Uh, but we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. But Mark, how about this? Uh, let's let's wrap up here. I know okay. um, going into to 2021, right, there's been a lot, I would say, of, of folks who are missing the ball on focusing on the issues people are caring about. So you, are, I think, lead by example. You just did a bike tour across all of the entire uh, assembly district, you madman, which is insane. Um, but it was it, I'm sure it was for you. Uh, but you're meeting these people face to face in northern New York across the district. And this is you're doing something that a lot of politicians candidly won't do. And I said can't, the word candid like nine times today. So, you know, strap in there, folks. Um, but Mark, you're, you're doing what the, the average person isn't going to do. You're, you're kind of leading by the example, the Young Americans for Liberty route, right? You're going out, knocking on doors, talking to your average person. What has been the bed bug issue that your average person has been facing here as we've gone through this insane 2020 that folks in the greater liberty movement can tap into and address to make sure we're actually speaking to the issues that people are caring about based on your conversation you've been having? 
Wow. That's, I mean, that's not a wrap up. I mean, that's a whole nother show. No, that I think, (laughs) all right, I'm going to hit it two ways. One is, you know, everybody's been in the same storm here, but we all have a different boat um, within, within this pandemic. Some people are doing just fine. They're weathering it just fine. Some are doing great and making progress. Others are sinking. Um, and, and I talked to, you know, tavern owners or something and, and they're incredibly frustrated and their life's work is going down the drain because of executive orders, just because the governor can pick on them and is following the politics over the science. Um, I, I think, so yeah, the the ankle biter or the the bed bug issues for everybody is really tough to pin down. But if there is one, it's really big picture, and it's that representative democracy really is like it's a terrible form of government, but it is better than all of the others. Like it's better than anything else that anybody has ever tried. And when you are New York State and you abdicate your responsibility as a legislature and as a judiciary branch, and you put it all on the governor. And then the governor says, hey, look, it's um, I got all this. And if you have a problem, blame me. And then, you know, halfway through the pandemic, he's writing a writing a book and um, he's on Ellen DeGeneres. And you're not happy with the result at the end um, and, and refuse to take the power back from the governor. I mean, this is this is where we're at right now. So if there's one issue, it's executive overreach and the need for checks and balances and. I think if there is one giant thing, sure, I'm very excited about my new role in higher education. Um, I'm excited about the work that I'm doing on the Great Lakes Legislative Caucus to make sure that the, it's clean water coming through the St. Lawrence River. I'm I'm excited about a lot of different policy areas that I get involved in. Uh, but if there is one giant thing that is important for me and every other legislator in New York State to be paying attention to, it's how we take the power back and restore checks and balances in our government and restore a representative democracy that serves everybody in New York. Oh, um, so, Mark. yeah, stay tuned there, too, because that's uh, that's the biggest project that I got going forward. And there there will be some news soon. I love it. Mark Walzik, as always, fighting the good fight up in northern New York. Thank you, my friend, for joining us here on The Brian Nichols Show. Stay safe up there, as always. Stay warm. It's still pretty freezy, freezy cold up there. Negative, what, like 20 today, probably, knowing no, northern New York? Uh, wait, let me see. Uh, 28 degrees. We're, uh, oh, okay. we're almost up to freezing. There we go. Well, we'll get there someday. All right, Mark Walzik, as always, thank you. Before we wrap up, I want to tell you about an amazing new podcast. You longtime listeners of The Brian Nichols Show know him well, and that is one Brad Palumbo in his stellar new program, Breaking Boundaries. Join Brad as he interviews top writers, politicians, and thinkers from all across the political spectrum to give you a new perspective you won't find in the mainstream liberal media or right-wing echo chambers. From guests like Rand Paul to Glenn Greenwald, Brad is having conversations and focusing on issues that are driving America with the people who are in the driver's seats. So... Head over to your favorite podcast app, hit subscribe, strap in, and be prepared for some wild food takes like Rand Paul and his grand mayonnaise conspiracy. Again, that's Breaking Boundaries with Brad Palumbo, available in your favorite podcasting app today. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Assemblyman Mark Wolzik. Thank you, Mark, for fighting the good fight in northern New York, fighting for liberty as well as you do up there. My goodness, we need as many as Mark Walzik as we can get. So please continue to support folks like Mark Walzik. And of course, uh, if you could do me a favor, so we're making sure more folks are hearing about the work that Mark is doing, go ahead and share today's episode with family and friends. And do me a favor, go ahead and give me a tag 
on uh, whatever it is you you tag me at now <laughs> if you did did in fact survive the uh, the purge of social media over this past uh, week well congratulations you can follow me still at B Nichols Liberty on Twitter and Facebook but in case you were looking for alternative forms of uh, following me parlor and minds.com also at B Nichols Liberty coming up here on Wednesday Spike Cohen vice presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party joins the Brian Nichols show we're discussing sales that's right sales 101 how can we build value build trust with people and then yes build some libertarians in office getting liberty into action that's the goal Spike joins me here on Wednesday's phenomenal episode of the Brian Nichols show so if you've not had the chance to hit subscribe but otherwise, folks, do me a favor. If you are enjoying The Brian Nichols Show, head over to your favorite podcast catcher, but preferably head over to Apple Podcasts first and give us a five-star rating and review. That's, again, how more folks are able to say, hey, people like this show, and then they can read why. So tell them why, right? Go ahead, tell folks in a quick, you know, one or two sentences why it is that you listen to The Brian Nichols Show every single week. I will go ahead and read some of them on air, of course, coming up here on Friday uh, when we are joined by Brad Palumbo. Once again, we'll wrap up by going ahead and reading some awesome reviews so guys thank you make sure you get reviews in by Friday but otherwise folks it's Brian Nichols signing off you're on the Brian Nichols show for Assemblyman Mark Wolzik we'll see you Wednesday thanks for listening to the Brian Nichols show find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com